This is a Giving Thought podcast from the Charities Aid Foundation's think tank, Giving Thought. Our next conversation is with Rita Chada. Now, Rita is the chief executive of the Small Charities Coalition, which is the membership body for small charities in the UK. Um, and she's here telling us about some of the particular challenges faced by smaller organisations at this moment in time. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, I mean, probably the you know the best place to start is just um, with the question of how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting you and your organisation so far. In terms of the COVID-19 crisis so far, the Small Charities coalition as an organization in itself has been is not in fa- affected in um, much the same way as many of our members are um, it, it, the impact on smaller charities is really uh, difficult to tell at the moment but one thing is for sure that there won't be a single charity that's not affected uh, the biggest fears that most of our members have is we did a survey last week and about 70% of our members think that they've only got six months at the most in terms of um, an income window before they'll have to make some dramatic, um, take some dramatic um, action. So, so yeah, in terms of the sort of key challenges over the coming months for organisations, is it essentially just that kind of short-term need for, for funding that's, that's the one that's looming largest in everybody's minds? I think we have to be careful that funding is a huge part of uh, the current crisis facing uh, smaller charities in particular, but actually it's not the only crisis. There is, after announcements about hubs being created, a real challenge about what's the role of small charities in the emergency response um, system as well. So where we have got smaller charities, two thirds of whom work at the very local very hyper-local borough and ward level, how are they going to be included in the emergency response? They've got a whole load of volunteers, a whole load of assets to bring into that, but are local authorities going to allow them in? How is this going to be structured and organised? And I think that's a real concern for some of our members. Going forward, there's also the, the stuff that local authorities often go to these very same small charities and ask for information and intelligence on who is it that's vulnerable in their communities. We all know from austerity that local authorities are only able to prioritise at the moment those that they have a statutory duty to. The people that are kind of just on the edges of that are often dealt with by the voluntary sector. So if local councils aren't talking now to these smaller charities, they're going to miss out and they're going to make the situation a whole lot worse for a whole group of other vulnerable people. That's really interesting. And so are you sort of concerned that in some of the responses so far, even if they are, you know, really positive in themselves, there's a danger that in the desire to kind of get money out at scale quickly, they won't necessarily get it down to that lowest level and to the organisations that are really kind of working closely with communities then? That's my huge concern that in this panic that we've got going on in the discussions at the moment, that everyone's focused on charities in in the whole staying afloat. And that's absolutely right. We don't want to see a single charity, large, small, local, national, anyone fold. But the problem is that where is the acute need and where is it going to be? And the, the other challenge is government seems to be very clear 
that actually volunteer organisations, volunteering uh, groups and self-help groups are the answer to this. They've repeatedly given out that message. That's not the only answer because those volunteering and self-help groups only have a short shelf life. And what we've got to consider is what's going to be there to pick up communities afterwards, but also who's best placed to deliver some of these response issues at the moment. Yeah, you, you mentioned there about the the sort of the question of afterwards, and and again, I think that's that's really interesting because obviously there's a lot of focus, quite rightly, on the immediate here and now, and there's there's plenty of challenges for people to be dealing with. But you know, what what already do you think are some of those kind of medium and longer term challenges that are going to be facing small charities once we get beyond this this immediate um, kind of uh, crisis point in the pandemic? Well, I think the the issues that small charities in particular need to start thinking about at the moment is. Uh, um, collaboration, alliances and mergers. If they don't start having those discussions at the moment, they're going to hit a wall. And I know it sounds foolhardy because everyone's in panic mode at the moment, but our big focus is one eye on the present and one eye on the future. And they've got to start thinking now about when they come out of this, what's the beneficiary landscape going to look like? How is it going to be different for the services and the support that they're traditional beneficiary group works with now but also they're going to have diminished resources without a shadow of a doubt how are they going to adapt to that situation and for so many of the smaller charities it's been uh, the assumption from what we've seen on our help desk and queries to us is we're going to have to close and I think we have to be careful before we think about closure as the only option for a lot of charities there are other ways out but we need to have a culture change to be able to explore those and we need to be able to have those discussions now before people get too disillusioned with the whole issue. And actually, you start to see people just walking away from it, which will make the whole situation a lot worse. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I guess you, you said a bit there about kind of what charities themselves could be doing in terms of actions, you know, immediately, but also to prepare for, for the longer term. I mean, what what to your mind are the most important things that you know government at a central and local level or funders within within the voluntary sector could be doing to kind of you know manage those short term issues and, and prepare for the longer term? I think funders have shown outstanding leadership for the most part. Uh, we've seen, you know, a huge number of funders come together under London funders and galvanise and say, look, we understand the situation. We're not going to make you jump through hoops uh, with your current funding arrangements. Come and talk to us. And I think that's really, really to be applauded and welcome. I think with government, it's as you deal with any large bureaucracy, it's a piecemeal approach. So whilst Initially, we were all really heightened by uh, the Rishi um, statement on, uh, um, on Friday. It only takes us so far. And actually, it helps the larger charities or those with public-facing service contracts or trading arms. Um, the smaller charities are still going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's a different way of working at the, at the smaller level than it is at the national level. Um, and we've got to just be mindful of that, I think, as well. So I think the ask of government is to have as much flexibility as the funders have. Um, they've just issued some procurement guidance, which uh, allows for that. But actually, it's got to be a culture change in the way government thinks at the moment that understands that they've got to have a much more pragmatic approach um, to their, their understanding of charities. And they've also got to understand, broaden and deepen their understanding of charity. 
Amen to that, absolutely. Um, and on that point, you were making there about some of the the, um, the the new measures announced by Rishi Sunak on on Friday around kind of employment um, guarantees and wage guarantees, not necessarily getting down to small charities. Is is that because uh, so many of them are kind of reliant on almost entirely voluntary uh, staff or, or kind of voluntary resources, so that employment protections like that don't necessarily help them in the way that other resources might. I mean, most small charities will have, from our definition of our membership, when we did the survey um, on what the immediate needs were in this crisis, um, the average number of employees that an organisation had was one or two, um, three at the very most. And actually, when you're in that small bracket, um, it's much more difficult to not have volunteers backing you up and supporting you. But those volunteers still need help in being organised, in being checked, in being guided, in being supported to deliver those services. And so, yes, you can keep one post in place. But if at the same time that post isn't able to uh, um, deliver or network with other posts to actually deliver uh, the best outcomes for beneficiaries, then actually it becomes redundant. So there's two things. There's the funding to carry on working, but there's also can you physically and can you pragmatically actually deliver any type of service at the moment? Yeah, that's that's really interesting as a point. Um, and I guess, you know, a lot of the stuff we talked about, there is a lot of genuine cause for concern kind of across the, the sector and, and more broadly in society at the moment. Everybody's a lot of uncertainty and, and worry. I mean, what have you seen so far on a more positive note that gives you hope about, you know, the, the role that small charities and kind of civil society organisations are, are going to be playing to help us get through this? I've got to admit, in all the years I've worked, I've never seen such unity in amongst small charities. I'm absolutely stunned at how people, when we've um, put out a request for information, we've been absolutely inundated. Um, we got we put out a survey on Monday on day one for us of, of the whole crisis, and we got uh, around 580 responses in 24 hours. Um, now, we've always had an engaged membership, but actually the level of discussion, um, the level of of kind of commitment is actually been, I think, awe-inspiring. I'll give you one quick example. Uh, when we put out the, we wrote a letter to the Prime Minister and then we asked all our members to sign up. And when we first drafted, we've deliberately kept the letter very short and we've said to members, we're keeping it short because we don't want to get into semantics or politics, but we want to raise and make sure that government recognises there's a discussion to be had with small charities. And we must have sent that out to about 7,000 um, organisations. We only got two complaints um, from people who said, actually, we're not too happy with the wording on this. But on the second day, one of those organisations emailed back and said, do you know what? I've had a, just had a discussion with government. Go for it, because their uh, response was absolutely appalling. And I think moments like that just make you think, actually, even if people disagree with you at this moment in time, they're thinking about what is right for their situation. And we need to respect that. So I think there's the amount of the level of corporate support that's come through is absolutely been staggering. Um, and actually, in some ways, the corporates have been easier to work with because they can run with an idea. They've got resources to pitch and support the small charities. So actually, it's reinvigorated my faith in the corporate sector, which I never thought I'd say. Well, that's certainly a silver lining there. Um, listen, thanks ever so much for, for finding the time to, to come on, Rita. It's really uh, great to be able to talk to you.
Um, is, is there anything else that we've not not said so far that you'd kind of like to, to leave people with? Um, I think the only thing to say is small charities matter. Small charities can help as part of the current crisis, but they can also, and they are necessary for the future as well. Great. Thanks ever so much. Brilliant. Thank you. Good luck with it all. Stay safe.